Today's podcast is brought to you by Camper Kings. When you have the freedom to choose, where will you go? Hiring a camper van from Camper Kings means you've just bought a ticket to adventure. Camper Kings offer a stunning range of quirky camper vans and luxury motorhomes with modern and stylish features, providing you with a safe staycation escape. Adventure awaits at camperkings.co.uk and you can follow them on Instagram at camperkings underscore UK. For Across the Park listeners only, there's a free bottle of champagne and free insurance when you quote Across the Park. Welcome to Across the Park podcast, a football podcast on both Everton and Liverpool Football Club, hosted and produced by a group of friends from both sides of the park. We pride ourselves in bringing you the very best conversation from the ongoing matters at both clubs, providing banter and debate. We also release regular specials with guests connected to both clubs providing insights and interviews never heard before. The back catalogue of these shows is available on our website, acrosstheparkpodcast.co.uk. Don't forget to hit subscribe to Across the Park Podcast on your favourite listening app and please give us a follow on our social media. Head over to Instagram or Twitter and search at Across the Park PC or Facebook, search Across the Park. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of season 21-22 of Across the Park Podcast. Myself, Ian Mills and Gary Judge of the Blue Boys this week going head-to-head in a good old-fashioned tag team match against Teddy McGiven and Phil Roberts for the Reds. Anyone who's still with us on YouTube, thank you so much. We've had lots of emails, lots of comments. Uh, we are trying to build this YouTube show almost from scratch despite us being around for three years. So if you've got any comments, any um questions for the show things you want us to do differently for youtube show ideas by all means get them over to us at team at across the park podcast.co.uk and for our loyal loyal podcast listeners a peek behind the curtain we're so happy our numbers haven't dropped podcast wise we thought that we might have a little bit of um people leaving the podcast to come to youtube that's not been the case so thank you so much for all of our loyal podcast listeners for keeping us in your bluetooth your headphones on your runs or whatever you're taking us we're going to get right in to some news that happened last week. Newcastle United are now the richest club in the world. They dwarf anybody else in comparison. There's been a lot of talk over you know, where the money's coming from. Is, is it dirty money? Let's just keep it at. They are now absolutely minted. Judgey, start with you. For us, I mean, we're not stupid enough to say that you know, Liverpool will be more affected by it because it's going to be us at first, isn't it? They're going to go into the market for players that we would have went into. Are you quite worried by that? Um, not necessarily, no. I mean, we've seen that, that money doesn't necessarily buy you success. I've already seen a lot of the players that they're linked with, and there are those players that are kind of on the cusp of some of the top clubs, maybe not getting game time, maybe potential. You know, the, the type of money that, that, that there's going to be banded about for players like that is already ridiculous. And, you know, the pressure that that brings to players who are coming into clubs like that when they've got massive price tags, you know, brings... It's, its own problems. Um, the first job they've got to do, they've got to get a, a, a manager who's going to be able to deal with mm. that level of money, that level of pressure. He's going to be able to attract some of the names that maybe they're linked with as well. So there's a lot to do, isn't there? Um, mm. You know, I think that the fruit of, of all that work is probably going to be, take two or three years, isn't it? To, to really, yeah. you know, pay dividends, if you like. So, no, it, it's one of them wait and see jobs, isn't it? Is it going to be the type of Signings that Man City made under Ericsson years ago with you, you know, Rubinios and stuff like that. You know, I, I, who knows? I mean, I, mm. and I was listening to something on Talksport today where they were saying 
you can't even, there isn't really a name like that about like, you know, um, Verbino at the moment, you know, they can't shop for the likes of the Neymars and Salah, Salas and, you know, and, and, and Mbappes and whatever, because they're just mm. not going to go there yet, are they? But who's no. the next level down? You know, we, we took a punt on James Rodriguez and he didn't really do anything. So it's tough to really see who's going to make that big impact that they're going to need, isn't it? Without them just getting slightly better Premier League players. Yeah. Do you know what for me they're the worst team apart from Liverpool for this to happen to? I, I hate Newcastle. They're just an arrogant bunch of fans. You've got one club in the city. They've won a bar. They haven't even won a sports pays a cup. You know what I mean? And they think they think they're absolutely massive. I, I'm I'm dreading it. But but look, Terry and Phil, who started off there by saying we're quite honest, me and Judgey on this podcast that it probably might not affect you. But in 2008, you were miles apart from Manchester City as well. So are you looking at this as a potential problem for you guys? A big t- a big amount of money coming into another team in the Premier League. Well, do you want me to go first, or do you want to go first, Phil? One see. For me, mate. I mean. We've shown we can compete regardless. You know, we look at look at how we've competed with City over the last couple of years. You know, and you know other other fans might say Liverpool have spent a lot of money, but not not on any sort of net basis. We haven't. You know, it's what we've achieved has been ridiculous in in terms of the actual expenditure. So, you know, if we if if we can do that with City's money and compete toe to toe with them and win Champions League and, and win the league and, and and stuff, it it's just another another club to deal with, isn't it? And you know, it, it, as long as we can keep, you know, I think Jurgen Klopp's obviously a major, major part of that. If if Klopp sticks to his timetable and leaves, then maybe it's a different question. But right now, you know, if if we if we can keep Klopp and we can keep the way we, you know, the club is run, then I feel we can compete regardless. To be honest, it's what you were saying there, Teddy. Like I was driving along thinking about this before actually, and I was thinking, you know, Newcastle aren't going to be a threat next season, and probably not the season after. But just as they're probably starting to put a serious squad together is when Klopp's anticipated to leave 2024. It's another club in the mix, isn't it? And I was thinking, well, I've said on this podcast before, I don't want that type of ownership at Liverpool. It means more the way we do it. But then I was thinking, I wonder over time whether all the Premiership teams are going to get bought out in this manner. And then, like, if everyone else was doing it, then you might as well be in the... You've got to be in the mix. Um how many teams are owned on that on that basis now? You've kind of got a Chelsea, a City, United, Newcastle. far behind, are they, in terms of big money in Usmanov? So, you know, at some point, do Liverpool have to join the party? I mean, FSG, they're not at that level, are they? No, I think I think there may come a time where FSG say, well, we're not at that level and we're happy with, you know, the return we can make if we sell the club and then... You know, it may pass into other hands, and it may end up that we end up with, you know, some of this this same sort of thing. I, I I wouldn't really be too keen, to be honest. I've said it in the past. You know, it's very very dangerous. You get these new owners, and they come with the money, and you, you think, oh, it's all roses. You know, we're just going to be instantly competitive and change everything. It's a very very <clears throat> tough long timeline. You know, even even City, it took them a long time to get it right now, where it's a humming model. You know, they went through Shinawatra, who bought them out, and they got loads of money. You know, he was spending loads, and then they've had to have another buyout before they've sort of arrived at the right sort of model. Not going to be an overnight thing for you, for, for Newcastle. You know, they, they need to get a manager. You've got to get a squad. You've got to get all of the infrastructure, the training, the scouting. You know, other clubs are so far ahead of them, I imagine, in terms of analytics and, you know, all that type of thing in in, in, in terms of the professionalising. Um, 
But I, you know, it, it'll be many years, I think, before they can turn it round. And they've then got the other issue with the way you attract players just has to come down to money in a lot of instances because you know the best players in the world and, and they if we're being honest they want to live in like the metropolitan cosmopolitan cities don't they and although Newcastle's a great city and Liverpool's a great city it's it's not in it's just not the same pull for them in the foreign players as a London or even a Manchester maybe or so you know it's it's a multifaceted problem and it's not going to be an overnight thing I'm not really looking at it thinking all of a sudden Newcastle are going to be up our ass like causing us issues um, I, I can see why Mills is saying it's maybe short term a bit more of an issue for Everton um, because they'll obviously have to step over the middle sort of you know sort of echelons of the league to get towards the top and mm. that's where Everton have been you know the last couple of seasons so yeah it's it, it's one to keep an eye on isn't it but it's certainly not I don't see it as you get an owner with tons of money and automatically you are up there because you know I, I, I don't mean this as a dick but you know, Everton got a billionaire owner, and you thought, I, I, let's be honest, you probably thought you'd be up there a lot, a lot more than you have been. And what's he spent five hundred million on? So, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not a panacea. Is it? Money doesn't solve all the issues. So, we'll see what happens. Do you, know, do you know what? I think we're a blessing for Newcastle in that they can look at that and go, look what Everton's done. Everton fans, you know, five years ago, <laughs> the, the anti-bully prince. I mean, Everton went and bought what seemed to be. Good Premier League players, Michael Keane, Gilfie Sigurdsson, your Morgan Schneiderlin, and just got it completely wrong. I think that's the model maybe Newcastle will look at and say we don't do it that way. But fingers crossed, he hired Ronald Koeman anyway, just for just for a laugh. That'd be, yeah. That would be that would be boss. But look, there's plenty to come on the sh- on the show. We're, we're going to talk about the the Watford Liverpool game, Everton versus West Ham. We've got this week in history. We've got some social media questions as well, and Phil is going to, as always, turn into Roy Walker and bring a little game that we hope you join in with as well. Boys, I do want to ask you about the boxing before it's we do. This, big... It's me this week, Wills. Is it starting? Okay, it's past the... Spent an hour prepping this. Past the ban. I'm looking forward to this one. I might I might stand a chance. A fellow Bluebee in the Quizmaster for me might stand a chance. But I want to ask you about the boxing, boys. It was a big week in, in, in the city. Before we do do that, you'll notice if you're watching on YouTube, something which is covering my enormous muscles are two sponsor logos. One is VIR Vair Clothing. If you go to VairClothing.com, and quote ATP20 in a checkout, you'll get 20% off. And as always, Camper Kings as well, camperkings.co.uk. If you're looking to get away for the weekend or, or you know, anywhere in the UK in, in a camper van, an amazing camper van, go over to camperkings.co.uk, quote across the park. Not only do you get free insurance, they'll chuck in a bottle of bubbly for you as well. Look, we talked about the boxing there. Do you want to start off, Judgy, with someone who you know personally, what one of the Smith brothers, Liam Smith, was there on, on Saturday night fighting. Anthony Fowler, the card before that was really good as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was a stack card, uh, brilliant. I mean, I was meant to be going to be honest, and I was, I was hung over the, uh, on the day, so I ended up passing me ticket on to one of the lads. But yeah, brilliant card and and some some excellent <clears throat> fights before the main event. I mean, I, I told the lads, you know, before to have a look out for, for Luke Willis. He, he's he hasn't he hadn't fought for, for two years leading up to this fight, but you know ridiculous talent and he works so hard in his camp to to get into good shape for it and you know he, he got the win which should get him a, a decent deal with with match room now i'm hoping because he deserves it again i think he'll be around that lightweight division for a while now and you know hopefully he'll bring another another title another world title to this city and um, the, the cheeseman fight was brilliant which was just before the um the main event as well him and williamson went toe to toe in honestly one of the best domestic you know fights i've seen in a while 
Um, so if anyone hasn't seen that, check it out. And the main events didn't disappoint either. You know, Fowler turns up, you know, all credit to him. You know, he, yeah. he, he showed all his strengths on the night. You know, he, he led with his jab. He, he mixed it up. He, he, you know, he hurt Beefy on, on a few occasions. But, you know, as as predictors and, and, and you were doubting it at one point, Millsy, I think mid-fight, you know, that the class came through and, mm. and Beefy just showing what he was all about, really. You know, he loves, you know, when it, when it gets dirty. You know, and, and, he, and he went toe to toe. Once he got inside that jab, and and he, you know, he was really able to 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 let his let his hands go, and you know, his movements, you know, his head movements and his footwork, you know, at that world level compared to what what Fowler's, you know, been up against was 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 different class really. And mm-hmm. but yeah, great show for the for, for the you know for the Spouse fans. And you no, know, again, like I said before, credit to Fowler because I didn't think he he would even make it that close, but. You know, we prepared really well, and and Shane McGuigan has has took him on massively. Shows the value of a you know a top coach, at, you know, in in a in the sport. So great weekends of of sport, which just was bossed to, to have a round when the international break was on. Oh yeah, nothing worse is there, but I was really looking well, forward. Are there ever not massive international football fans anymore? No. <laughs> oh yeah, the bit, the bit, the bitter. Hey, anti- international football anti- fans. Anti-England fans are saying them again. Hey. <laughs> Although I think Andorra was a bit of a, a bit of a, was like a They're all massive games, aren't they? It wasn't even a, a friendly. It was a proper game. <laughs> yeah, on on a plastic pitch. So we're not interested hey. in that. Scouts, not English. Look all that. In fact, the main reason was we didn't have anyone playing, is he? Not interested when no. there's no Everton, Everton players in there. No, yeah, just before just before we do move on to the footy, a, a massive fight feel. I know you stayed up with your ball of crunching the cornflakes to watch Tyson Fury do once again what he said he was going to do and done before to Deontay Wilder. Lots of possibilities now as, as to where both men can go next. What do you make of that scenario and that fight? Well, the fight was one for the ages, wasn't it? Of all the great heavyweight fights, Ali Frazier, Ali Foreman, you know, all of them. It was up there with that. There was, um, you know, three knockdowns in the fight, was there? Um, I don't even remember there was that many, but yeah, brilliant fight. Drama, men getting up off the floor. Deontay Wilder gained so much respect in defeat. He probably hmm. doesn't realise it yet, hmm. but what he done was he showed the heart. He, I thought he was done round two or three, like absolutely gassed. And so I think he gained a lot in defeat there because people are saying he's not on Fury's level. He's a joke of a heavyweight, you know, he's a joke of a world champion and all that. I think people actually saw a bit in him and the underdog and what fighting is actually all about. It's only a fight when there's something to fight against. And, and he did that as valiantly as he could for as long as he could until the class told. So it was a great fight. No losers, I don't think. I honestly don't think there's any losers. I think I think Wilder's never been better thought of than he is right now. And I think going forward. There's a lot of exciting things out there. Um, Dillian White has been waiting a long, long, far too long for a, a title shot at the WBC. He's put him on the back burner for a long time. He's in the picture now. I think it's only right that he gets his shot against Fury. Whilst Joshua and Yusuf are doing their thing with the rematch rather than just sitting out. Um, I'd like, we'd all like to see, I think, I wouldn't like to see the rematch. I'd like to see Wilder fight uh, Joshua. And you stick fight Fiori straight away, mm. um, and then and then take it from there. But yeah, yeah as as he can as he can go on all he wants. On the side, love Dillian White. I, I agree with him. He deserves a shot. But it, it, there's never been a division. I know Terry said that a few times. There's never been a division that's called out for like a proper tournament. As there, you know, get all mm. like the top. 
top eight or the top six ranked boxers in there and and they all face each other because th- there would be value in every one of them fights and, yeah. and I think there'd be some shocks in there as well. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. Um, t- Terry, just to close out, um, got back to what Judge said, a great fight night on Saturday at the at the old Echo Arena, MS, and then obviously Tyson Fury. Do you want to close out with your thoughts on the boxing at the weekends? Yeah, no, the lads, the lads have covered it, you know, echoed my sentiments really, you know, in, in both instances. You know, it's always great for the city to see, you know, fighters from this city fighting, you know, on big bills and big cards and stuff like that. Um, and the echo was always rocking and rolling whenever, you know, a local fighter. So to have two on the bill, you know, it was mm. it was great, you know, great occasion for the city. And then obviously the, the, the fight itself with Fury and Wilder was, as Phil said, one for the ages. It was an absolute brilliant fight, wasn't it? You know, so much drama, so much going on and, I think he's right. You know, I think Fury cemented his position and, and, and his reputation and legacy, you know, and, and at the same time, Wilder's enhanced his, even in defeat. Although I, I am still a little bit disappointed the way Wilder always seems to revert to excuses and, you know, problems with gloves and all this sort of nonsense. It's like, he's he done enough in the ring to sort of, you know, to make people think, you know, we know you're a warrior. We know you, like, you fought hard and all that. Don't sort of cheapen it with, you know, bitterness or whatever. Just accept you're being beat by the better man twice mm. do you know what I mean so it's it, it, it's almost just move on and, and get on with it and, and get on it in, in them defeats it shouldn't it shouldn't mean that his career with the skids or anything as, as the other as Judgey said and, and Philip said there's lots of good fights out there for Wilder now as well you know exciting fans fights that the fans want to see that will sort of endear him to them fans if he gets in and, and, and gets on with it so yeah it's, it was a great night of boxing you know really really good and, and good to see the heavyweight division you know bringing a little bit of excitement again you know it's always been the marquee division and mm. You know, for a long time it was it was diabolical. It was it was awful. So now that there is a lot of live fights there, you know, it, it, it's great to see. And long may it continue. Yeah, definitely well, for me. Oh, as well. Oh, go on, sorry. Quick, yeah, quickly mention Peter McGrail. He made his professional debut on on Saturday as well, and okay. really exciting ta- talent. One of the best amateurs that have come out of this country in in a long time. And you know, he, for anyone who hasn't watched this fight, get him on YouTube. He's Lomachenko esque, and that's a big thing to say about someone but you'll know what I mean he, his movement is incredible and there's big things to come from him again another almost certain scout world champion unless you know unless anything unless something goes wrong very early for him but definitely check him out if anyone's you know into the boxing Okay, boss, let's move on to the footy. We're going to cover or preview Watford v Liverpool, which is the first game from the two clubs on Saturday. We're going to end the show with the Everton versus West Ham preview. And in the middle, you know, Judge is going to turn into Roy Walker, like I said at the start. We've got this week in history, some social media as well. But, Phil, are you looking at Saturday as a as a, as a free hit, an, an easy one? Watford aren't not, are they? He's going to go there and win about 8 0. <laughs> That's what you'd love me to say, isn't it? And then, and then I won't, I won't. Look, they're not a great team this season. A few years ago, I used to think they were like loads of big players. You sort of had a way of playing and that they were a problem. But last few seasons, they've kind of slipped off that. I mean, they haven't started great this season. Languishing sort of 15th place. They've been beat by some poor teams. But they have got some good players. Um, The only time I've watched them, I can't remember who it was, but they played really well. And Star was involved. I think he scored one and set one up and... Um, they got Sissoko in the middle, haven't they? Which is a great sign, and he's a good player. Um, you know, they've got problems in the team, but yeah, they're not, they're not great. Like in terms of the performances they've been putting in of late, no great shape, and he shouldn't be anything for Liverpool to worry about if, if we're serious about winning this title. Yeah, the one spanner in the work, Teddy is the new manager, Claudio Ranieri's in, so you know, you don't know what you're going to get. That new bounce, 
Yeah, I mean, there's always a, obviously a threat. A new manager come in and everyone wants to perform to sort of, you know, show themselves in the best light and get in the, the manager's favour from early. So, you know, you do often get a response from like a, a new manager coming in and it's interesting coming back from the, the international break. It, it, it's going to be against us, you know, that, that is, his, you know, I think it, it will be his first game only. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, as Phil said, there's a, there's a couple of players in there that, you know, have got potential to, to cause problems obviously I'm, I'm a big fan of so you know i think he's a really really good player you know I, I was looking at him and thinking liverpool might be in the mixer for him and obviously i'm not sure what the situation is with with trent and stuff but you know we've had to we have to move players around and to accommodate trent's absence in the last you know against city and stuff so it'd be interesting to see what we do and probably talk about that in the sec field in terms of the lineup but you know, as Phil said, we've got designs and going for this league. These are the types of teams that we just need to be putting away. You know, no fuss, going away from home to Watford and, and hopefully just doing the business, getting three points, getting back, no injuries. We move on to the next game. So, you know, that's obviously the ideal in terms of what I want to see. Obviously, I'd love us to go run riot, but what matters most is that we get the win and I don't really care how we get it. Um, but I think, you know, we should be more than capable of, of, of getting all three points there. I think Watford have only won two games this season. And, it, and, you know, every other team that's got even anything about them that they came up against, they haven't really been able to do anything against them. So, you know, I'm looking at it thinking, as Phil said, they're not quite the side that they maybe were a couple of seasons ago where it's like, you know, they, they look like they were starting to build like a solid Premier League team. Obviously, that hasn't been the case, you know, and, and they've had the, the, the problems over the last couple of seasons. But, you know, I, I'm looking at it thinking that we should we should all be in well um, with a, with a full strength side, and I think it will be a full strength side that goes out. Um, just honest, me or so, like I don't know if it's pure coincidence. I think it is actually. But whenever I watch them, he's playing off the right. But can he play left? Can he? Yeah, he can play. He, he can. He generally does sort of play off the right, but. It's it's obviously they might look at it and think there's a potential, you know, a new manager might come in and say if they're playing Milner right back, and I've just seen what Phil Foden has done to to Milner in the last game, you know, they might think that we we can rejig it and shift it round and stuff and see, you know, put him under some pressure and see what it could do. Um, and that's what I mean. I don't, you know, I'm not. It depends what they think we can do in terms of the right back position. You know, if if Trent is out, because I think teams will look. At what happens if Milner's going to play right back for us? I think teams will look at that first half against City and think if we've got someone who's pacey on that flank and we can build overlaps on that side, we can cause Liverpool problems. That first half was an absolute horror show for me in terms of it, we look so vulnerable. So, like when you know we've seen it previously where other teams already play on Trent, I think they play on Milner even more if you've got the players who could hurt Milner, you know, pace and. Yeah, I agree. I, but I'm not sure it's necessarily just like about a player playing on the left for them because Crystal Palace had Zaha and he's got bags of pace and a good player. But Milner had them in the pocket. I think it was the the, the kind of the overlaps that City were. Yeah, that's what the overloads. Yeah, the volume of yeah the pressure and the volume and I don't think Watford. I don't care who they play out there. I don't think they're necessarily going to bring that to, to us. Yeah, Although, I mean, different things, so as you, we don't know. But yeah, obviously it depends. You, you you can only you can only go with obviously you've got the ability to exploit that in your squad, haven't you? You know, and and you know if I'm Watford and I'm looking at that, I'm thinking, <laughs> even though we're at home, Liverpool are probably going to have loads of the ball. You know, generally our midfield is always going to be very combative and competitive with any other midfield. 
So if I'm Watford, I'm probably thinking when we've got it, if we can hit them areas wide and we've got pace, you know, in like someone like Asar who can basically run them channels. Yeah. That would be the that would be the way the target that I personally yeah. I wouldn't if I'm Watford, I'm not trying to play through Liverpool and build build, you know, attacks and stuff. You're trying to cut the midfield press out and hit them wide areas, which is where we generally, if we're being honest, are most vulnerable in them fullback areas because our fullbacks get so far forward. So I think you know, if, if Trent's not back and, and if Milner's there, it's it could end up being, as you see him at the City game, that Robertson's the one who pushes further forward, you know, like, yeah. like which is what happened. And then you, you could see Saar exploit that side. You know, obviously it's Van Dijk's side as well, but that's what I mean. It's just they're, they're the sort of things that I think is the interesting tactics, you know, in, in terms of if you're going to get out Liverpool, I can't see, if I'm honest, Watford. I know Brentford gave us a game, they, they built you know, attacks and but they're a good football inside, and that's what they've done as they've came up the league. So that's what they know it's in their DNA for you know for a couple of seasons. They've been doing that. Yeah. They just done what they do. I don't see Wofford really doing to us what Brentford did. I think it's going to be a bit more of a you know hope Liverpool overcommit and let's try and spring the trap pace. You know, in terms of the other way, and I see that as being our vulnerability of Mona. So it will be interesting. I don't know. Is there any any further news on Trent from his injury? I haven't heard. I haven't heard, to be honest. But uh, what about it? Uh, I was thinking the other thing is, uh, has Fabinho played? Has he gone away? With yeah, he's, uh, he played for Brazil last night. I'm just Brazil. thinking with him walking so eggy against City and with him going to Brazil, could it be a game where we see him take a rest? Just yeah, to well, throw something else in the mix for his lad. Sorry, Curtis Jones is injured at the moment. He's oh, got yeah. injured playing for the 21s. I'm not, I'm not sure how serious it is because England's... 21s, I think, are meant to be playing tonight, but I know that apparently he's out the fixture with an injury. So, mm. on on the on the Fabinho one, it's it's a good point actually because I'm sure I I seen somewhere that said with the Brazilian internationals they might not be back in time, or if they get back, they're going to get back on like the Thursday yeah. or something or the Friday. Yeah, you tried you tried to get the kickoff changed, and Watford um, said no. They they blame the fact that fans have got plans and made arrangements and things, but obviously they've seen a window where Alisson and Fabinho might be that tired. Can't even be part of it. I think they play it very late Thursday into early hours Friday. Yeah, and that and so it you know that could affect Firmino, Fabinho, and Allison. You know, in terms of um, obviously, I think Allison as a goalkeeper, you'd think he's you know he'd, he'd be fine, but Fabinho well, looked leggy. Oh, he's jet lagged. Well, yeah, but Fabinho looked leggy against City. You know, he looked yeah. really sort of like slow against City, like he wasn't really at the races. Um, so. Be an interesting one to see how that you know that impacts him as well. You know, when I can't I can't see how Fabinho plays in that fixture, like Millsy said, their game is at 1 30 Friday morning and you play 12 30 Saturday yeah, lunch. It's just yeah. not gonna happen, is it? Yeah, so they so, so you might as well say that he's out the game, Fabinho, in which case, you know, what midfield, you know, particularly with, with Curtis Jones, and obviously we know Harvey Elliott's out and he, he started the season. Well, he hasn't played any games, has he? No, so, so that's going to be interesting to hash that together, then, isn't it? Well, that's what I'm saying. Taylor, like you probably get to the lineup. So is it is it Henderson, Cater, Oxley, Chamberlain, or something? I don't know. Are you, what you go with? Well, yeah, if you've got no Fab and you've got no Thiago, do you know what I'd do? This is what I was calling for in the City game at halftime. Yeah. I would never normally say it, but I was I was asking for Gomez to go right back to show that up and put Milner no. in the midfield. Mm. And I'd probably go Henderson, Milner, and then a Cater or an Ox, of mm. which I don't really care. But I feel like the Ox is time to come to an end. I've heard Arsenal open on him, actually. So maybe stick with Cater. 
<laughs> Why? <laughs> no. yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. No, it, it, it's certainly quite intriguing because, as I say, there's just a couple of subplots there with Ranieri and then with our our team. You know, in terms of availability, with the Brazilians not being there and stuff, it and you know, not really being sure what the situation is with Trent. But I haven't heard that Trent's definitely back, so let's just assume that he's not there. And I think I'll probably you know agree with you. Maybe you go with a Gomez right back, put Milner Henderson in the middle, and. Yeah, you know, either one of of, of Keith or Oxley Chamberlain, I'd still expect that we've got enough. Um, and then obviously just a Mane, Jota, Salah up top. Yep. Um, yep. Oh well, then. Yeah. Prediction. What prediction then? Um, <clears throat> say Liverpool two 0 Yeah, I think we'll batter them. I mean, I know that's what exactly what Mills wanted me to say earlier on. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to say 4 0. Mind you, the midfield is a worry, but say 4 0. Okay, I'm just looking under the, um, the, the future odds there. Yous are actually 1 to 5 on Saturday, so the, the bookies aren't having Watford at all. Without Fabinho, you play to your strength, and the strengths of, of the players that are going to fill in will be to uh, put an attack and performance on. Don't be trying to like defend with Cater and Ox and all that. So mm. I think we're going to go at them. That's why I'm saying 4 0. Okay, sound judgy. We'll we'll cover the Everton game at the end of the show, like we said. We're gonna have a little bit of a sandwich at the minute break in between the, the reviews and the previews of the football. We're gonna try a little new format and separate them a little bit. But Phil, an old school feature that we always have and, and listeners, podcast listeners, and even some YouTube listeners last week have sent us some questions. So we've got some social media that you've got for us. Social media, yeah. Okay, let me just uh wasn't prepped for that. Phil, what are we going to this week in history first there? The good thing about YouTube is you can see Phil's face like trying to buy time because he's not prepared <laughs> as usual. I'm safe today, isn't it? <laughs> I've got a split screen going on tonight today with my uh, got left hand side of my screen showing all me higher or lower. That's just boys and time, Phil. Go on. Thanks, one. So yeah, we've got this one in from Pete Oliver who wants to speak about, about uh, Seamus Coleman. He said he's 33 today. Can the Blues talk about how good he's been for us? Gets unwarranted flat due to his fitness record these days, but he's been nothing short of fantastic for Everton. Yeah, well, I mean, what more can you say? The song says it all, doesn't it? You know, £60,000. You know, there, there can't be, a, <laughs> in Premier League history, a, a better buy in terms of value for money, in terms of how many games he's played for us and, you know, what he's what he's given back to the club on and off the pitch. Brilliant player, brilliant guy um, in general. You know, he, he's... he's um, yeah, not in short of incredible. And yeah, he does he does get a bit of flack. And I think it's just the fact that he, he sets his standards so high. Um, in terms yeah. of, you know, when he burst onto the scene and being that exciting marauding fullback and, and keeping that up and, and, and constantly improving his defender defending year on year. He's become renowned for being so strong one v one against the best wingers and best forwards that the, the Premier League's had to offer. So yeah, it, it's you know, but for how well he's done over the years and, and for me how he's just developed his game and how hard he must have worked on the on the training pitch to do that to make up for the the years he lost. You know, he didn't play academy football, he played, you know, kind of amateur non-league football over in Ireland and, and didn't play to anywhere near the standard that our young players play to growing up. So he has a lot to make up technically, but he's just, you know, he's used the tools he has and you know what a great lesson for any young footballer in terms of how you can develop yourself and play at the very highest level. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, he's one of those players that 
I said last week or two weeks on the show, you just got a connection to them and you don't know why. And for me, that sums football up, but you don't know why you've got the connection to someone. But for me, he, he, he may as well be a scouser and Evertonian because you look at the derby last season at Anfield, what, what it meant to him to win at Everton. I'm sure every Evertonian who watched that were the same. It had been so long coming and you could see on the pitch he was emotionally drained getting that victory at Anfield as the Everton captain meant so much to him. You've seen numerous times where, unfortunately, you know, he's not he's not fit enough anymore to, to play 38 games. And I think sometimes there is a little bit of, you know, unfair flack at every transfer window. We do say that we want to sign a right-back. I wouldn't say that's necessarily anything against Seamus Coleman. He's just, Judge, you summed it up for me there. He had such high standards. And for me, if you go back to maybe Moises last season and Martinez's first, when you'd had Coleman and Baines either sides, it was unbelievable. Oh. Yeah, it was, yeah. He gave us everything. But yeah, I, I don't think we can say much more than that. Obviously, one more thing we can say, and it's well, that without James Coleman, there will be no across the park podcast. <laughs> so we've all got yeah, very true, very true. To where the first argument come from, <laughs> and, and that's that's that, that's the levels that he reached, and and you know, yeah, credit to him. Right, okay. This one's from Nick, and he wants thoughts on both sides. So I'll go to you first, Terry. Just want some a score out of ten for the season so far for Liverpool. And then we'll come. Um, I don't really think you can. I can say much more than probably a nine. To be honest, I mean, you know, when this season started after the, you know, I know we finished strongly last season, but the way that one went, you know, we wanted to get back to seeing what we expect from Liverpool, and I think we've seen that. We've seen good football. We've seen some, you know, some scintillating attack and play. You know, we've been top of the, sitting at the top of the league for for pretty much from the start. Um. You know, I, I think that's all that's all we can sort of ask for, really, isn't it? We've made a great start in the Champions League with two wins. So, yeah, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm going to give it a, a nine. Yeah, your mark out of 10 is always relative, I suppose, to what your ex- and expectations were. And uh, it could be better. Our defence could be looking a little bit better, I suppose. Um, we could be top of the league. But we're not. But you know, but but apart from that, everything you've said, we're top sitting top in the Champions League. Football's pretty good, and that I'd agree. Nine, maybe eight and a half. I think maybe the defence is a bit, little bit concerning. But yeah, all right. Blues. Um, I think I think it's quite a tough question, really, because I don't think a lot of Evertonians at the start of the season were were expecting a lot, and they may have got more than they expected. The negativity surrounding that manager coming in was. At times, it was it was the forefront of what we're all talking about. No one was talking about how well Everton would start playing. It was all, when is that manager going to get sacked? Is it the first bad run? I think the cup exit and the fact that we got turned over in a 15-minute spell at Aston Villa is an indication that there's still lots of work to do there. I know we rest the players for the cup, but to go out the cup to a lower league opposition and to get done by someone who <laughs> you're probably vying for, for that maybe mid to higher mid, um, top of the league, Area, I'd say based on that, I'd give it an eight. Yeah, Nick, Nick's gone with a nine. Sorry, Judy. yeah, I, I can see where Nick's coming from. I can also see where Millsy's coming from. I'll, I'll probably meet them in between and say eight and a half because, yeah, it would be a nine if not for that cup uh, exit. I, I think I could probably forgive them the, the Villa game. I think you know, as a as the Reds will keep reminding me, I, I think Villa will have a lot to offer over the next few seasons. I think they've established a really strong squad and. I think that came together a little bit on the night. We were exposed with our lack of depth on the night again. We had a few players out. They, they managed to call upon new signings off the bench and we were chasing the game. So I, I could kind of let that Villa one go. 
I think a cup game probably stops it from being a nine. But, you know, as Millsy said before, the expectations at the start of the season were very low. And, and I think so far, you know, the manager's has succeeded, has exceeded them. So, yeah, eight and a half for me. But I can't argue with Millsy or, or, the, or Nick. OK, we've got Pato with a question for the Blues. How weird will it be for the Blues on Sunday to be supporting Rafa Benitez against David Moyes at Goodison Park? Very weird, yeah. Very weird. And it, like, because I, I don't even know. He should get, you know, he should get a good reception, David Moyes. I think, you know, when he went to Man United, it was obviously very frosty for a while. But I think that's, it was a bit like the Rooney react response when Rooney first come back and then Rooney eventually came back and, you know, we got a better reaction or a better response. <clears throat> I would expect the response to be a lot more positive towards Moyes coming back this time. Um, but it will be very strange seeing them in opposite dugouts and obviously one, the person you least expect to be in our dugout being there. David Moyes very easily could have been the manager right now. Um, mm. you know, he could have got the job over the last two appointments uh, before this one. So it'll be strange for him. It'll be strange for the fans. Um, but yeah, it's, I hadn't thought about it until that question came in, to be fair, but it, it is a mad one. It is mad because was Rafa there for five years, and I think barring maybe one year, the, the the teams are quite close in the league. So we were always like fifth or sixth, and maybe trying to trying to leapfrog Liverpool. So there was always that little bit of a needle with Everton Liverpool at, at that time period. Apart from the one season where Liverpool finished second, it looked like they were going to win it in '09. So we were programmed, weren't we, to to back David Moyes against Rafa Benitez in every derby. They, they seem to have a little bit of a needle with each other. So I'm like you, Judge. I never thought of it that way. But now I am. It does feel like it'll be a little bit weird to look at that dugout and see Benitez yeah. in the home one and David Moyes in the away one. It's a really interesting tactical battle, isn't it? We will come back to it in a moment. Like, but it is re- very interesting, as you say. They, they've never, no one's, neither of them have ever really had a massive, you know, advantage over the other, um, mm. and they both, you know, outdone each other at times. So it's an interesting one. But yeah, it's a uh, that's football, isn't it? Football, yeah. Okay, great name. Um, Artie Sickler has messaged us from Colorado. He's been listening to us on Spotify uh, for a long time. And he's just really, he said he was, it was good to watch us on YouTube. He's subscribed. And yeah, just compliments and keep it up. So nice one, Artie. Appreciate it, Artie. Uh, he, might, he might unsubscribe when he sees your garbage t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just to point out that. Our sponsors Anna Lessie from the nineties, as Phil was born today. I'm vintage and I'm summery. It's all good. Um, okay, <laughs> this one's from Keaton Jones about Salah. The lads Gary and, and Terry discussed it last week. He enjoyed that discussion. He agrees with all the points made, giving them what he wants. Four hundred and fifty k per week could open us to, us up to long term commitments, hurting us. But he's also a player who doesn't come very often. And it would hurt us to allow him to leave and play his peak years away from Anfield. One point not discussed in just his opinion is the fact Klopp has got two seasons left and has confirmed again recently in Germany that he's going to leave in 2023 is a factor in Salah's decision. Life won't be the same after Klopp. We all know it. Maybe Mo does too. Yeah, I mean, there's maybe something in that. You know, I think I think when we were talking about it, me and we, we were saying, you know, I don't think there's any other team, or I couldn't see any other team that Salah could naturally go to and, and have it as good as he has it at Liverpool because it, the system's made for him and his type of the type of player he is. Whereas maybe other places just aren't quite as natural a home for him in terms of the formation and stuff. 
think Klopp he's found a manager that you know wants to play to the to Mo's strengths. Um, so maybe it is a factor, you know, in his thinking. Maybe there is something in that. Um, but it, 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 we we just don't know, do we? That the, the, I think all, what Liverpool Liverpool have, have got a fine line to walk as a club now over the like you know the next couple of seasons are, are really big in terms of if Klopp does go, what comes next? You know, in terms of if we keep Mo, how much do we have to pay to keep him? You know, it, it, they could be, you know, era defining decisions, you know, that the club need to get right. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it, it's certainly a big, a big, well, we need to resolve the seller thing immediately, but we also need to have a plan for what comes next after, after Klopp, if he is set on moving. Um, you know, we have seen in the past that he can't can have his mind changed on stuff like that, you know, but, and in other times, you know, we said that at Dortmund, I want the break, and he done it, didn't he? So we'll see. But you know, the club need to get them decisions right, and and some big, as I say, era defining ones are coming up. So hopefully, you know, we're, we're, the the cogs are wearing and things are moving behind the scenes. Yep. <coughs> okay, this is EFC picks. We'll start, we'll start with the blues, but both sides. This is for name a signing a signing you were underwhelmed by, but then went on to surprise you. Um, would it be fair to say someone that we spoke to, Judgy, Marcus Bent? Yeah, I was going to go with someone else we spoke to, but yeah, Marcus Bent's a good shout. Didn't didn't really think about that. He, he was over that that season was an unbelievable asset, wasn't he? You know, I was surprised by his work rate. I was surprised by his versatility, um, not by his pace. I think we knew we were getting someone who, who was fairly quick, but yeah, he became a, a massive asset, and and obviously. Kept, you know, what at the time I think was wasn't our record. Was he our record time in BT? James BT was probably yeah, our so record. So James Beatty, James BT came came the January after that summer. Oh four, yeah. we were we were just a mess. We, we lost Wayne Rooney, who, who just looked like the darling of, of the the world in the Euros. Thomas Rosinski yeah. left. I think Kevin Campbell, who we had on the show again, Kevin Campbell said that season he, he was coming near the end. Duncan was coming near the end. So when you lose Wayne Rooney and you lose Thomas Rosinski. And you signed yeah. someone for four hundred and fifty grand from Ipswich. For me, that was that was underwhelming, but that, that's just me. Yeah, I was going to say Lee Carsley. Lee Carsley mm. for me was one of the most underwhelming signings. Gosh. I wouldn't. I think I said that in the podcast when we when we signed him. I think we said actually oh. though we made a couple of signings, and it wasn't the signing we were really excited about. But obviously, he, he went on to become a, you know, a bit of a legend. You know what I mean in terms of like what he gave back to the club and that made that position his own and. The fanfare yeah. was Janola, wasn't it? Janola came the same yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. And we were like, oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, for me, it's Carsley. But, yeah, I won't, I won't argue with, with Marcus Bent either. What I was saying with Marcus Bent, obviously, when BT came in, he expected to walk right into the team, didn't he? But yeah. it took a while for him to displace Marcus Bent. Um, mm. <clears throat> obviously, that was kind of why he left in the end, wasn't it, in the summer, the following summer. But, yeah, I could shout that, actually. But two, two very good... Um, Extras if for any of the blues to check out. So if you are a, a new subscriber to our YouTube, we've got extras as we call them on our website, a catalogue of them. So it's interviews with former players, former coaches, some famous fans of the club as well. But we've got both an episode with Lee Carsley and with, with Marcus Bent as well. So check them out. Sorry, do you want to go first? Yeah, it's a tough one, really, because I think you know there's been a couple of players recently. I mean, it sounds mad, but I wasn't overly excited when we signed Salah. You know, I, I didn't really know what we were getting and I thought it's a lot of money for someone who's like 
he's done okay for a season or two in, in Italy, but you know, didn't really set the world alight at Chelsea. And obviously, what do I know? Because you know, we, we're what we're talking about now. So that would that would be one. But I think the one recently where I th- you know I, I genuinely thought I just don't get it. I don't get that signing. And obviously he's not with us anymore. But it was Ginny Wijnaldum. Like when we signed him from Newcastle, I was like, what are we signing here? You no, know, someone who scored twelve goals in one season for Newcastle. He actually cost us a fair packet. He was playing on the right mid for them, and I didn't see him playing right mid for Liverpool. And I was sort of like, was well, he was yeah, it's like a ten, but off, like off, he'd pull off onto the right, and I was like, yeah. what are we signing him for? Like, mm. I just didn't see where he fit, you know, in our size. We had Coutinho and stuff, and it was like, yeah, what's the line? I'm going to bring to, to us here. Like, it, it just seems a really odd signing, and then for me, he just sort of completely evolved his game, you know, and you could see like the intelligence he had as a player, you know, in terms of being able to to change his game and become almost, you know, an out and out centre mid, you know, in terms of he could play holding mid, he could play attacking mid and really versatile, never got injured. You know, brilliant player for us, obviously we know he's gone and, and stuff like that. But can't lie, at the time when we signed him, I just didn't see it. I was like, what? Who's he? What are we signing him for? Yeah. I think like I don't know if, if underwhelmed is the right word, is the right it's just the right example. But when we signed Andy Robertson, I had no expectations of him. I don't know if I was gutted we signed him, I wasn't. But uh, look what he's gone on to do. Like, it speaks for itself, doesn't it? It, it? But I think that's more of like a surprise that, than it was an underwhelmed. I think if you're talking about underwhelmed, for me, the one that sticks out in my mind is we'd won the Champions League and we were linked to Figo. And I was I was thinking, oh my god, the champions of Europe. The most exciting thing now is who are we going to sign off the back of it? Everyone will want to come, and we signed Peter Crouch. And I, I remember just thinking, oh, wow, <laughs> but he went on to he, he's a little bit of a cult hero, but Liverpool, he couldn't score for like the first 25 games or something. Then the full game, it was, so long. It was a long time, you know. It wasn't 25 games, I think no. it was about 11 or 12. I think games. it was 12 games, and then the one that went in, it was like a deflection that looped up and went in. Didn't yeah, it? it was like yeah. it wasn't even a clean goal, but it was like he's having it, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But uh, yeah, and then he went on to be a boss at the play for us, didn't he? So little. It wasn't little, me. <laughs> yeah, I don't bought little. Okay, right. Sorry, sorry, Phil. Before we move on, there was two players, and I'm not going to say anything about them. I'm just going to say the names: Tim Cale and Kevin Campbell. Yeah. <laughs> I had to just, as soon as we moved on, I was like, Jesus. Tim Cale, we signed from Millwall. Kevin Campbell, we signed from Turkey. Proper washed-up striker ends up saving the club. Mm. Um, and Tim Cale again. We don't need to say any more about him, but I had to get them mm. in before we moved on. Fair play. Okay. A challenging questions come in from Judgy's wife, Jenny. <laughs> She's holding Liverpool account. Um, no, she said, there's a lack of fund. I don't really understand it, actually, Judgy. You might have to explain it a bit. Lack Go of funding in women's football, in particular, Liverpool FC. So I'm thinking, yeah, so... is an FA related? Or is she, is she no, no. Liverpool here? Yeah, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give. I didn't know you were gonna actually introduce her as my wife. I thought you were just gonna make up like some some random. That's <laughs> land. Um, yeah, so we, we were, you know, there was no there was no men's footy on this this weekend. We're flicking through the Sky channels, and the Manchester derby was on on Saturday morning, like Man City and Man United. So we watched it for a bit and whatever. And she's asking questions. She's saying, you know, where are Liverpool in the league? And I said, well, Liverpool aren't in the Premier League. And she was like, what? I said, no, they're, they're not in the Premier League. And she's like, how? And I was like, well, basically, the, 
and I only know this from first hand experience of it. You know, I was a, an academy coach for a long while at the you know the men's academy, if you like. Um, and after we finished training, the women's come in, as in like some of the first team at times, and and sometimes some of the, the the younger girls. Basically, they weren't allowed to come in the academy until after hours, until we finished, and it's still the same now. So. The, the the women's the women's team are, are, you know having to train they, they, they can't come to the first team facility or the academy facility as it is now if they do come there they've got to come out of hours the academy as in the girls academy they often have to buy their own training kits it's that like poorly funded by the club and that you know not regards at all um the current manager um Matt Beale who, who Matt yeah, Matt Beale, who was, who was there a few years ago, has just come back to try and kind of resurrect the club. So they're, they're currently in the championship at the moment. Liverpool, I think, the third or fourth in the, the, the championship, trying to get back up. But they just haven't got the budget, really, to compete with some of the top clubs, including Everton. And we're not even one of the top clubs at the moment. Brought in a new manager, Everton, in the summer. But what, what Jen couldn't get at their rounds is, like, you know, what you know ambitious owners Liverpool have got and how well they've funded every aspect of the club, the academy, the stadium, you know, whatever. And, you know, over in America, soccer is obviously, women's soccer is massive in America. She just couldn't get her head around how the owners wouldn't consider the women's team worth investing in whatsoever. Um, so that that was my response. I, I obviously did briefly respond to her, but I think she wanted to to kind of get the attention of some of our listeners and, and maybe viewers that the, the Liverpool um Women's team and not haven't got anything near parity or, or equality with the men's. So, so it makes me laugh. There, it makes me laugh there, Judy. The fact that in order to get you to ask a question, your wife has got to write into your podcast <laughs> to get an answer. <laughs> I think you know. I think she wanted the the, the uh, reaction of the Reds, and and I'll be honest. When we put it in the WhatsApp group today, Terry was like, "I haven't got a clue. You have to ask someone else." Um, but it, I mean, it is it is it is quite sad, isn't it? You know, regardless of. Well, what you know about it. As we're, I'm taking your information from this, and maybe that says something as well. I, I'm on a podcast about Liverpool. Maybe I should know more, and maybe that speaks to part of the wider issue. But, um, I mean, I'm taking what you're saying as, as as just a given there. And I don't know how other clubs relative to it. Like, are the women training alongside the men at Finch Farm and stuff? I don't know what's normal, if there's even the space for that and stuff. So, But if... Liverpool are just saying they're not getting any money. We're not investing nothing in that. Yeah, that, that's wrong. I mean, obviously, they're not going to see as owners of a business, they're not really going to see an, a, a short-term return from that because it hasn't quite got the eyes on it that it would need to produce a return. But you think long-term, you build that up, you build the infrastructure, you build the marketing sides of it, you, you invest in the best players that you can, you build it up, and, and hopefully one day it can become a good revenue stream. Obviously, yeah, I was going to say they'll be slightly kicking themselves in the teeth because during the summer there was quite a significant TV deal that was announced for the for the women's Premier League, and Liverpool got relegated a couple of seasons ago and haven't got back up yet. So that that's kind of made, and we all know what it's like in the men's Premier League that the gap now between the Premier League and or the Championship and the Premier League, and that's only going to get wider over the next season or two. So if Liverpool don't get back up, that that attitude is probably only going to stay the same until they are back in the Premier League. I've got to apologise, by the way. I think I said uh, Matt Beale before. It's Matt Beard. Um, Matt Be- Mick Beale was one of Liverpool's um, first team coaches or academy coaches, and I was getting the two of them mixed up. 
So uh, I've got to apologise there. But yeah, I just thought, you know, <clears throat> we might have some. I'm not sure how many female viewers or listeners we've got. I know we've definitely got a few because a few of them message. What's that? I think we've got 25%. Well, brilliant. Oh, that, that, no, no, that, that, that's only when Pacey's on. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be good to hear their views anyway. You know, if anyone else has got views on that, you know, if you, whether you follow the, the women's game, because I know that, you know, Obviously, there's a there's a higher percentage of, of women who, who do go to the, the the men's games, and it'd be interesting to know how many of them follow the women's game because I'm sure that'll have an impact as well. But yeah, that's just a bit of context, and 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 yeah, it's if I was a you know I suppose a fan of the club, it'd be slightly disappointing from a I suppose a, a community level that that they don't really get the support that they should do. Okay, we got one more red question, then a joint question. So the red one is. Genie's just come out today in the Dutch press saying he's unhappy. PSG obviously aren't too happy either because he's not playing for them. Um, is it possible to bring him back in January if the situation doesn't improve? Or does his age and wage demands once again by failing to give players that this legendary history-making team want and deserve, it breaks up? Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm talking about Wijnaldum there before, you know, in, 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 in a different feature. And Listen, he was a great player for us, absolutely brilliant. You know, and if if he wanted to come back and he basically accepted the terms that he didn't want him originally, then I'm not going to say no. Like, you know, we, I wouldn't have him back or whatever. I think he was a great player and still think he had a lot to give to Liverpool. But not at the, not at the wage demands that he was asking for. You know, I, I just, I, I think that that was the right decision. You know, it, there was clearly a money element to it. Um and then obviously he's gone to PSG and it's not working out. And it's one of them, isn't it? It's like you don't you don't sort of relish it, but there's an element where you sort of think I'm like all the ones who've sort of thought I'm gonna go somewhere else for something better, you know, sort of thing. It hasn't really worked out for them, has it? And you know, when there's an element of that where you sort of feel like, well, you're getting what you deserve there, because you know, we, there was a fair deal, I think, offered by Liverpool, and not necessarily maybe where he wanted for his fat what would probably be his final big money contract. Um but if he turned around and said I'll come back and I'll take what you were offering, I'd I'd, I'd have him back. Yeah. I think um it's a difficult one for me because Jeannie said before he left, look, there's more to this than the Reds fans know. It's not just about money and it will come out. So I'm kind of taking him on as at his words on that. I'm thinking, okay, well let's see what that is. And I'd love to know what the numbers were and things, but so I don't feel like when Owen left, I wanted Owen to fail. When Torres left, I wanted Torres to fail. I wanted Coutinho to fail. You know, all desperate to get out the club. Well, you get what you deserve. Don't feel like that with Genie. And as mm. you said, if there was a deal to be done that made financial sense, of course you bring them back. It feels weird to lose money in six months, though, doesn't it? You wouldn't want to lose a lot of money over a six-month period or something. But no, is it? Well, that's it. It's like you know, what would you have to pay? Like yeah. that, that's the thing. How, how would you let an asset like that walk out the door and then basically go and pay to get him back? I think yeah. that's why I think it would never happen. You know, yeah. that would just look idiot idiocy in its in its finest by Liverpool. Well, um, if PSG fancy Cater on a three swap deal, see you later. Yeah, I'll have Wijnaldum mm-hmm. back in a heartbeat and they can have Cater. Because <laughs> I'd rather direct them wages to someone who I think can offer something and give something to this side than basically someone that I think is actually taking Liverpool for a ride. Yeah, agreed. Okay. <clears throat> so I was at a night with um Dave Goulding, friends of the show, released the he's released two books recently. Yeah, What's that, sorry? 
Yeah. She just fooled him, sorry, yeah. Um, I went, you went with. <laughs> yeah, I went to the book launch with Dave Goulding. Yeah, it was a good mm. night. Got to meet up with some of the old players and stuff. It was a really good night. But I had a good chat with Dave, who I went with um, at the event, and we discussed this question. And he wants me to put it to the lads at the podcast. So we said, <coughs> "Sorry, got a bit of a cough." <coughs> if you had to choose uh, one or the other, would it be two hours in the boozer before the match or two hours in the boozer after the match? Also, does it, he also wants to know if we've got any pre-match superstitions. And as a little side note, if you had the choice of any uh, players, past or present, to spend those two hours with, who would you choose? So, Millsy, we know what your answer is. Well, I was going to say, me and Judgy are like passing ships on a match day. He stays out and then comes the game just in time of the kickoff. Whereas I go out early and then I'm gone. Don't even do the instant match reaction. So getting a pint me and Judgy at the same time, he's more like a night owl and I'm more like a midday pint owl. So I, I preferred pre-match. And if I could pick anyone to to share a couple of hours with, it would obviously be my favourite player of all time, Duncan Ferguson. Nice. Just, yeah. I, 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 I was, I was Sorry, I was going to say after myself, but he actually has got a good reason for before Dave's before he said defo before the game, the excitement, haven't seen your mates for a week or more, discussing the possible lineups. Then the lineup comes out, and you all talk about it, you're predicting the scorers, you get your bets on. Uh, and he said the post bank, the post game pints can be ruined by the result as well. Well, definitely beforehand, and I think his reasoning is quite strong, yeah, it is, but I. The, the the last thing you just said then is kind of the reason why I like going after the game out after the games. It's like forget about it. You you want to you want to go the game a lot of the time for me to 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 see your mates and have a drink and talk about fuzzy and just have a laugh and whatever. If you go for a drink after it, regardless of the results, you can end up having a positive experience from the game. Do you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. if you go out before it and don't go after it, literally your, your day's ruined if you just get beat or you know whatever. So. <laughs> I, I don't like Mills. He said, then I, I'll normally arrive like for a, a pint or two before it, and then I'll have several after it, and, and a couple of half time as well. Um, <laughs> so I enjoy the half time pints more than most, to be honest, even though the the ale's terrible sometimes. Um, yeah, the half time, half time pints are decent. I, I completely get that notion about the before thing, but they're always, I mean, in my house, there's always something going on on a Saturday morning, like. I have to take my daughter somewhere or, or whatever. So I'm never I'm never out as early as Millsy. Millsy's like like a like, an, a, like a dog out at the trap <laughs> on a Saturday morning. Actually, <laughs> out the door. <laughs> and, then, and then he's the same when he leaves the park ends after the game. Bolts yeah, back gone. to his house. Gone. Yeah. For me, I'm 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 after. I'm, I'm the same as Judgy, really. I mean, I'm it's it's normally hard for me to get there play. You know, a proper session before the game, anyway. Um, same with, with kids and stuff. But I, I, you know, I take Dave's like points on board. It, it is good, you know, the sort of builds up and all that. Like now and again, me and my dad will have one or two before the match, and it is nice, like you sort of go and you have a, have a couple of pints. But all the other lads and stuff who I have a bevy with after the game, they they don't necessarily go out for a pint beforehand. Like everyone gets at the same time. So after the match for me is where it's happening. It's like everyone sort of comes together, we talk about the match, we do the instant match reaction. And then, as Judgy said, it's like no matter what the result, even if like you're proper gutted, it's like, ah, well, you know, it's gone now. Have a good bevy and you can still have a good night, you know, have a laugh with, with the lads and stuff. And you're seeing the other results coming through, the later kickoff and stuff like that. There's always, you know, it's, I, 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 I prefer the afters, me, as opposed to the to, to the pre match when, because you just can't really, 
the other thing, you can't really have a proper bevy before the match because in the game you're either half chopped or you, for me, I've been in up the toilet every two minutes. I'd be like, yeah, I can get past there, I can get past there. So it's got to be after for me. Yeah, I, I agree with the after. Um, it's a bit like I'm always half open for like a proper night out as well. I'm always yeah. seeing like football types of turn into as well. That's the only problem with it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, a bit too messy. Yeah. Dave's got a routine where he goes home and his wife has got the dinner ready, and then he gets a bottle of wine and all that. He's got his match day ritual. But yeah. lucky you man, there. You need to tell us how we sourced that, Dave. How have you got a train like that? <laughs> <laughs> well, what about the, the player you'd like to spend the two hours with? Oh yeah, me. Yeah, go ahead, Rich. Do you know what? I, I'm, obviously, the you know the the come one is I'm gonna go Tommy Gravison. You know, I'd love to take <laughs> Tommy Gravison the match. That'd be Having class. Tommy Gravison for two hours before the game would just be gold. <laughs> I definitely, I'd definitely turn up early for that. Tell me, um, I don't know really. I, I don't really give that too much thought. I think like Carragher's obviously probably be great fun, you know, for for a bevy. Like if, yeah. if he's in the mood, obviously we know he. He's liked a, a drink in the past. Um, from all the stories, I think you know, from we've heard, like me and Judge, have heard a few. Uh, Dietmar Hamanza, a bit of a character, yeah. probably was it, was it being a good one. Um, Dave's answer, the Kaiser, open yeah, again. So, Can't and anyone else, yeah, either being either being no, by all accounts, he's a funny character, Haman. Like, but I think yeah. out of the current side, I think. Robertson seems like the one way you think he's he's one of the lads. I mean, just have a good bevy with you. You know what I mean? He probably want to go to town himself. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I think Milner's meant to be like that as well. Like, and he's got the, like that joke reputation of being born, but I think he's anything but. I think he's no a chance of going out for a pint with James. Milner. No, he's not going to get on the aisle. Like, is he? <laughs> Thirty-six. He's the fittest man at the club. He doesn't drink at all. <laughs> And I'm not having it that he's like Mr. Charismatic either. Proper stoic Yorkman. <laughs> right, that's it for the social media. It was good on this week, wasn't it? No, it was good. I, I've just got one more question for Judgy. So, Judgy, when you were talking earlier about the women's game, you said something happened two years ago. What was it? Something happened two years ago? To, to Liverpool. Oh, they got relegated. There you go. Moving on to this week <laughs> in history. Oh, sound is so good, you saucy man. You've got me all excited saying that. <laughs> Moving on to this week in history. Um, this is a feature that whoever's on the podcast, we always have a little WhatsApp with each other and see any moments that stood out in the past that we can maybe have some experience with. Uh, experiences with we can talk about. Myself and Judgy were were mates back in 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 Allsop High School. We were age 12, 1997. We're going way back in that time machine. To the Merseyside oh, really derby. Nature, yes, to be honest, Melzi. Really okay, thanks, Judge. <laughs> Sounds like what you say to me on a on a, on a normal night out. <laughs> um, so, 1997. That's why. Yeah, that's why I don't get an invite to the post-match point. We're not mates, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so, 97, Judge. We were 12 um, at the height of of fans and really at that, that age, really. So, Merseyside derby comes around. We are languishing in what. Well, always seemed to be those bottom places in the 90s. I think Liverpool were playing really well. Michael Owen was the, the darling of the media. We just got beat on a Wednesday night even by Coventry 5-0 in the League Cup. And next up, the Derby at Goodison. But we turn them over. The sun is shining 2-0. A friend of the show, Danny Casamarty, who we've done an extra with, available on acrosstheparkpodcast.co.uk. He said on that show, it's still the best moments of his career. Can you 
take yourself back to to being at that game and watching Danny Casamati, who we all thought was better than Michael Owen, stick one in the net. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I do remember we we really steamed into them that day. You, you know, they, they did have a, a decent side, some 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 you know flair plays, if you will. Um, and and it was that it was that time in the nineties when you knew you could really get amongst Liverpool and, and you know and unsettle them. Do you know what I mean? He has a lot of those players who like to pass. They like to pass the ball and. You know, and and you know, we we knew no other way but to you know really go and get amongst them and, and kick them off the pitch. But yeah, I remember that. I remember the goal where he where he puts um, puts Cavani on his backside, cuts inside, and 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 I think if it, if I remember correctly as well, he made an half decent start to his career at used Cavani and was was doing okay. And after that, the wheels just completely came off for him, and he was you know he wasn't amazing. Do you know what I mean? But he was half like half rated. Yeah, I don't and think it was ever. I don't think anyone ever thought. I'll be, you know, we like he's 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 going to be class or whatever. He came in and he, yeah, it, I think he's done okay at first, but I think I think fans were starting to cotton on that he probably wasn't up to much. Yeah, Casamatri certainly cottons onto him that day, but yeah, great finish and you know, it was one of them. Like we had quite a few of the, the you know young strikers who who popped up during the nineties, didn't we? On you know, Michael Branch and Phil Jevons and. Casamatri scored on that goal, obviously really, you know, lifted his profile, didn't he? And, yeah. you know, and I, I know we said on the podcast with him, it was almost the worst thing that, to a certain extent that could have happened as well, even though it was a, yeah. a great moment for him that he looked back fondly on. You know, it, it really raised the expectation very high, but that day in general, really brilliant day and, you know, great to, to get one over them and what a goal as well. well. And you said there that, that we'd always go to battle with Liverpool and just some names who were on that team sheet. That day, Neville Southall, Dave Watson, Gary Speed, Graeme Stewart, and Big Duncan Ferguson. Proper derby players, them, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. So that is the blue this week in history. Myself and Judgey rolling the time machine way back to 1997 when friend of the show Danny Casamarty scored for Everton and a Neil Woodock own goal as well. Absolutely hilarious. Everton 2, <laughs> Liverpool Mill, October 1997. Reds, what have you got for us? Yeah, not as fun as a topic as yours um, at all. Um, me and Terry were actually, I would say, mates loosely in school. October <laughs> 2001, lower sixth. Well, I was kind of popular and he wasn't, so he used to cling on my coattails around school. Reverse that. Um... <laughs> dragging a dead weight round on him as a mate. <laughs> no, but on the 13th of October 2001, during half-time in a game against Leeds, Gerard Houllier had his, um, his heart attack and he was taken ill, admitted to Broad Green Hospital and Thompson you know, went on to take over, didn't he? Um, so what are your memories from the time, Terry? It was, it was, uh... Yeah, I mean, it was obviously, it was one of them, like obviously we, we heard the news and it was, it was a, you know, it was a bit harrowing, weren't it? Because you were sort of like, wow, it's it, it's like really serious, this, you know, like he, when, when you manage it, like in a game and when that happens and, Obviously, you don't know what to think, do you? Sort of like, you know, mm. you're sort of shocked. And I remember that when when the news came out, and then it was all like, you know, he's getting update, you're getting updates, and you're not knowing. He went straight into surgery, didn't he? I think he had like, yeah, and I was a surgery or something like something proper major, didn't he? Um, yeah, the bypass, I think, but you heard the next day that he'd done all right in the surgery and stuff like that, and he was up talking and stuff. And then I think. The next games after that, you started to hear that he was still on the phone, like speaking to the players before games, giving instruction, having influence on the team and stuff. But 
in his absence, you know, Phil Thompson did well, didn't he? You know, on the in the hole. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, obviously, Thompson was like his assistant, and then he he, he sort of took over <coughs> as interim manager. And you know, I don't think anyone really knew what we were going to get. You know, with with Thompson in charge, but he actually did do really well in that in that spell covering. Um, you know, it was. I think we went on to finish second. Was it the season we finished second? Under so. Julie. I think oh, we finished second that year, and it was like probably the best finish that we had was when it was like the combo with the two. So we had Julia until obviously you know he, he, he took ill, and then Thompson took over, and then Julia came back. Um, Mark, no, yeah, so it, it, you know it, it, it was like an interesting period in the history of the club where you sort of you know we didn't know what to expect. Thompson took over, and, and, and he did do really well, obviously. I can't remember whether it was when he was interim manager that he had the spat with Fowler, or whether that has already happened. No, well, yeah, Fowler left in January, so obviously it was the thirteenth of October that Ure went into hospital. So, as you mm. say, it was around that time, wasn't it? Leading yeah. to the period. Um, yeah, and obviously that that was obviously a, you know a major milestone in the history of the club as well. You know, it's one of its like most popular and most loved sons sort of leaving the club, and you know, it, it, so it it really was like a you know a you know a, a really interesting time, and obviously. We, we, we see, when you see then the Julia, you know, he did get he, he got himself fit, he got himself well, and then he came back. And it was that was like quite touching, wasn't it? As well, like quite emotional when he, he sort of came back and you know, Come regained back, uh, first game back was against Roma, and they had Totti, um, they had some great players. I can't try to think who was the boss Argentinian striker, it, uh, that's nice. yeah, but they had Totti, Batistuta, um. Walter Samwell and all that, and we battered them because mm. honest thoughts came back, sort of done it for him. Yeah, so yeah, it was you know it was obviously God rest his soul, Julia. You know, is it like absolutely key part of obviously the renaissance of Liverpool Football Club in in the early two thousands, and and that was you know it, it was a you know a very sort of harrowing time when we thought we might lose him, um, but obviously he, he did come back and and, and regain the hot seat and. You know, in the interim, as you say, Phil Thompson, that he, he took over as interim manager and we had a great little spell. And, and you know, it, 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 it is one of them sort of interesting chapters, I suppose, in, in, in you know, the history of the club. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyone out there who's got any ideas that they want us to cover, any important memories for them, games or moments, get in touch at team at Across the Park podcast.co.uk or Twitter and Instagram is at Across the Park PC. We always do this week in history. So anything you guys want us to talk about, please let us know. Judgy, are you ready to assist me in beating the Reds? A little um, few few clues on WhatsApp or something? <laughs> it's 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 actually a different. I mean, we're doing higher or lower this week. So for the the benefit of our new viewers or listeners, it's um, I'll give you one statistic, and then the the you know the rest of the uh, the crew will have to, or the rest of the team will have to decide whether. The other statistic is higher or lower than the other. What I've done this week is I've I've gone for Liverpool players begin whose first name begin with the the letter S. So there's quite a few Steves in there, as you can imagine. Everton players I've gone for P's. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a number of goals that one of the S's who will start with Liverpool has scored in their career, and then I'll give you another S, and you have to tell me whether that second S has scored has, has got higher or lower goals to their to their Liverpool. CV. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. We'll start with so Millsy, it'll go to you first because the Reds will end up just giving you the answer and you'll just copy them probably and it'll end up being a, a soggy drawer okay. or, or whatever. 
So the first one I'm going to give you is Steve Finnan between 2003 and 2008 managed one goal for Liverpool in his in in his time at Liverpool. Did Steve Harkness get was was Steve Harkness higher or lower than that? I feel like I should know that because he's been on the show, hasn't he, Steve Harkness? And I'm thinking yeah, that yeah. if if he if he hadn't scored a goal, would it have been talked about? Um but he did, didn't play a lot, did he? He wasn't someone who, who played a lot. I think Steve Finnan probably scored less goals than Steve Harkness. So I'll say Steve Harkness scored more. What you say Steve Finnan scored less, but Steve but Steve Harkness is more. So you're saying Steve Harkness scored more than one goal for Liverpool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aye, go on. Okay. I actually think it is a zero, isn't it, see? Um, good question. I can't actually remember from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't play like he did play a decent number of games, like. He did. He yeah. played 139 games in the end. Yeah, I, I, I think he did score though. If I remember right. I think I remember him saying, talking about nearly scoring. I feel like I remember that conversation. You know. And now he nearly, nearly got Come on. I, I think it's higher, Phil. Terry's got a better memory than me. Go on. Um, I'm right. going to say higher. He's both scored a point there. He got three goals in his Liverpool career. <laughs> I was going to do that the other way around, but I think a lot of fans will have known that Steve Finnan only got one goal. Um, well, what, a player, what a What's player. That? What a player he was, Steve Finnan. He's a player. 217 games. Very, very career for Two hundred and seventeen games, and every one was at least an eight out of ten. Just a proper solid, consistent performer. Okay, so so the next one we've got, um, Steven Gerrard amassed one hundred and twenty goals for Liverpool in five hundred and four appearances. Was Steve Highway's Liverpool tally in four hundred and seventy-five games higher or lower than Stevens? It's a horrible question, man. Because obviously he's. Such a legendary figure, Steve Howe, isn't he? He's in the song and all that. And I imagine he would have amassed loads of goals. Okay, I'll say Steve Highway lower than Steven Gerrard. Terry, Phil? No, really, no. I'm just a guess. We're going to have to speed you up here, otherwise we're going to be here all night. I, I, I think Gerrard's got more. Yeah, I, I, I do as well. I think he's like fourth or fifth or something like that. And like he's up there anyway, Gerard, in terms of the top goal scorer. So very correct you are, Steve Highway. I got I say only he got 76 goals in his 475 appearances. So quite quite a way ahead there, there, Gerard. So still nil-nil. Okay, number three. So the third question on the Liverpool, Liverpool side. Steve Nichol, between 1981 and 46 goals in his 468 appearances. Did Steve McManaman, was Steve McManaman's goal tally higher or lower than 46, Millsy? I feel like a trick question because I feel like I should be saying he scored more, but did McManaman play as many games in, in a weird way? In a weird way, I'm going to say McManaman lower than Steve Nichol. Teddy, Phil? Oh God! What was the number? Forty-six. Forty-six. Steve Nichol got. Is this Prem Judgy? Oh, oh. no! All-time Liverpool appearances. All appearances. Oh, I think McManaman was like ten goals a season, man. Mm, eight, uh, seven, and eight a season. Uh, but I, probably, I reckon. I reckon it's going to be lower. I think 
10 goals a season, obviously, at Liverpool for five seasons. 95. 96, till... around 2000. Yeah. Before that, wasn't it? Actually, before, before that, didn't he? Did yeah. play a little bit before. I didn't play as many appearances in his early years, but yeah, yeah 95 was his, you know, he was at his best. Yeah. And he was like Coca-Cola Cup final against uh, Bolton and stuff. Lower. Lower. Okay. Steve McManaman got 66 Liverpool goals, wow. 20 more than Steve Nichol. So wow. did you did you both get that wrong then? Yeah. We're still nil-nil. Okay, number four then. These are very interesting, uh, interesting characters. <laughs> um so Steve Staunton. Um I haven't got the years he played for Liverpool, but he scored seven goals in his time at Liverpool. But was Stigging a Bjornaby's Liverpool goal tally higher or lower than Steve Staunton's? On the basis, Staunton was there twice. I'll say Staunton. So, Inga Bjornaby is lower than Staunton, I'd say. Okay. Is this the last question? By the way, Stigging a Bjornaby played more games than Steve Staunton as well. Not, not, not much in it, but 40 more games. Sorry, is this the last question for the Liverpool ones? No, there's one more after this. Five each. What do you reckon, Phil? Um, I'm gonna go lower, and that's just trying to read Judgy to be honest. If he tried to steal us <laughs> off, then by saying he played four games, so if you tried to lean us towards higher, doing that, <laughs> I think so there's no, no knowledge of sticking a beyond of his goals, Ali. In there, just to, just my my question, well, I, he has a good left, he like, scored in goals, though, full back, weren't he? Yeah, let's say all Steve Storm wasn't exactly renowned for it either, was he? Oh, but... I went out through, but. Yeah, your logic was correct, Phil. Um, so you both got that right again. We're still st- still a stalemate. Okay, the last one. This 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 might um this might be an interesting one for you. Okay, so Sammy Hippier um amassed thirty five goals in his Liverpool career, but did Sammy Lee get was Sammy Lee's tally higher or lower than Sammy Hippier's? Sammy Hippier got thirty five goals. Can't even begin to break that down. So I'll just guess. I'll just shoot in the wind. Sammy Lee is lower than Sammy Hippier. Um, Sammy Lee, there a long, long time, but not always a fixture in the first team. Um, right wing. It's the last question, and if I actually think it's probably lower, but I'm almost like we might as well just take it and go. <laughs> yeah, because Millsy's already gone lower. Go on, I'll go higher. Millsy's took the victory from the Reds oh, in, in the Reds quiz. Sammy Lee got 19 goals in his 288 appearances. So you're right, Phil, despite the fact he was there for over 10 years or just over 10 years, he only, he only played 288 games compared to Hippie's 460. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, relatively relatively prolific for a, for a centre-back, wasn't he? Yeah. Okay, so onto, onto the Blues. These will be difficult for you, Reds, some of them. Uh, the first one, I, I'll, I'll be honest, um, don't, I obviously don't know this guy, but I'll, I'll just go off his goal tally. So Peter Farrell played for Everton um, for 10 years in the 40s and 50s. Scored 17 goals in 453 appearances. You'll know the second players. Well, you'll know him relatively. Did Paul Was Paul Bracewell's Everton tally higher or lower than 17 goals? Paul Bracewell plays 143 games for Everton. So I'll give you a bit more detail on that. He played 143 games over nearly six seasons for Everton. Position was he, so, Midfielder, wasn't 
don't even know. He's um, a referee. I'll give you that. Yeah. So, but what position was Tony Farrell or whatever his name was? <laughs> we know the number. Yeah, he scored 17 goals. So it, uh, I think he was a fullback, to be honest. He scored 17 goals in 450 appearances. Pick one, lad. Go for it. Higher. 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 Millsy? Uh, Bracewell lower. Higher or lower than 17 goals? Bracewell lower. Paul Bracewell got 10 goals in his Everton career. So Millsy's 2 0 up now. Got some work to do here, Red. You'll know the next few players anyway. So Peter Beagri. Uh, had two spells at Everton between 89 and 94. Tricky winger, loved to, loved to cut in and loved to step over. Scored 17 goals for Everton in 143 appearances. Peter Reid, legend of, of, of the mid-80s, between 82 and 88. Played 234 games for Everton. Was his goal tally higher or lower than Peter Beagrie's of 17 goals? Well, Reid was a defensive mid, although you'd never think it when you see Maradona just walking past him. I'll tell you what, he, he reminds of Fabinho reminds me of Peter Reese in that clip <laughs> the other day. <laughs> Top of um, man. Throw Teddy, go ahead. I, I had the last one. Higher or lower than 17 goals, Teddy? Lower. Nelsie? Yeah, I, I, I'll go with the Reds. I think Reed's lower than Beagley. Marginally, 13 goals, so you've both, you've both got that one right. Peter, he got 13 goals and 234 appearances. Okay, next one again. Uh, both Reds will know these these players, one of one of whom we've we've had on the show as well. So Pat Nevin got 21 goals in his 148 appearances for Everton between 88 and 91. Phil Jagielka played 385 games for Everton. Was his goal tally higher or lower than 21? Teddy, Phil. Lower. Yeah. Why? Mills? Yeah, he, he scored a few. I don't think it was as many as 21, so I'll go lower as well. Very close. 19 goals. Couple of goals behind Pat Nevin. Um, I was actually surprised to see it was 19, to be fair. Yeah. But 19 what goals. What doing here? Seeing out the win. Just playing. <laughs> Absolutely. Amen. <laughs> Amen, my friends. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've got two more questions to go. You could still nick a draw here, and, and these, are, these are pretty tight as well. So, Phil Neville scored five goals for Everton in 303 appearances between 05 and 2013. Pat Van Den Howe, psycho Pat, as he was known in the 80s, played 203 games for Everton. Did Was his goal tally higher or lower than Phil Neville's of five goals? 200 games, 200 odd games, more than five. I mean, I'm going to say higher, Phil. A yeah. pure guess, both. Cycle Pat, known well. Scored six. <laughs> <laughs> Mills. Just to make it interesting, I'll, I'll go with the opposite. Well, you haven't made it interesting. You've just nicked Ooh. well. You've, you've stole it. You no, you've, you've won it, Millsy. Pat fans and I only got three goals. The Andy Johnson, the Andy Johnson celebration. <laughs> he only got three goals for Everton in, in his time there. Okay, last one, and again, players that, that you both be aware of. Um, which way to do this one here? Because I think it'll be a an interesting one. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do it this way. Peter Beardsley got thirty-two goals in ninety-five appearances for Everton over 
know, two best part of two two and a half seasons. Paul Rideout um played for Everton just just after just after Peter he was there for a for a short period as well. Did Paul Rideout manage more or higher or lower than thirty two goals in his time at Everton? I remember Michael, well Michael Phelan's lower, but yeah, there was a couple of seasons where he was like he was obviously the main striker and stuff, and he was probably getting maybe twelve or fourteen goals. In we were season. lucky to be getting twelve or fourteen goals. Yeah, though, he's a for an Everton striker, Teddy. Nine, nine, eight or nine. <laughs> in all competitions, not just in the league. But not in any of the competitions. <laughs> Go on, um, let's finish this off. Put your you eye on the Phil. I feel like oh yeah. All right, yeah, I think lower. I think he had one good season, didn't he? Then followed up with a half a good season the following. So I'll say lower as well. What was that it? My logic. It was actually higher. Forty goals, and he, he plays one hundred and forty games, which is a few more than I thought he played for us. But forty goals in one hundred and forty games, so he got more than Peter Beardsley. So although he's both got that wrong, um, Millsy's come out with a three 0 victory. So as Millsy always says, get his egg, get egg cars on, and, and it was he was a man's arm as well. Absolutely smashed us there. The you know all our players. We don't. We don't. You know. You 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 track our players and know every single statistic about them. We don't know any of yours. Well, we're just, we're just football buffs. You see, we just follow we're the game. Nineteen forty-two specials at us and everything. Like, oh. <laughs> that was just a number to throw in there, and I had to find another P. I I, I went with the S's first because I thought I know you've had loads of them, and I just picked a random lesson. I was like, oh my god, I've got nine players and he's one more. Remember so that fellow who got done on um. Who wants to be a millionaire? Because he was looking in the audience and his family giving him a little winks and nods and signals. Fancy that going on there? Yeah. You drew one out to me. <laughs> so, so losers. But listen, Judge, you've got a few minutes left of the show. I hope we're not so losers on Sunday. West Ham at home. Looking three players for me if the fifty come back in. Seamus Coleman comes in. Uh, Richarlison comes back in. And Dominic Calvert Lewin comes back in. Is that the same for you? 100%, yeah. I'm really open that at least two of them are available. And if I had a preference of two of them, it'd be the two forwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as we, you know, we've gone on about, about Seamus earlier on in the show with that question, uh, Godfrey's done really well at right back. And, you know, I, I don't think he'll, he'll we'll, we'll miss him as much as we'd miss um, the two forward players up there. But again, who, who did he come in for? You, you know, you know, Rondon comes out for, for Calvert-Lewin, but it'd be unfortunate for the other forwards to, to make way for, for Richarlison. Um you know, it'd be you've got Gray, you've got Townsend, both have been massively influential over the last few weeks. You you would expect one of them to come out, or would you? Do you put Townsend into that central role where he's feeling a bit more comfortable and, and have Gray and Richarlison either side? It just starts to sound quite tasty, doesn't it? I, I just got what they played before the injuries hit us where Gray's got a bit of a free role. We've got Townsend and Richarlison more disciplines with Calvert Lewin. But can you imagine a few if Rondon starts on Sunday and them two are on the bench? Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> you know what? That's proper raffer as well. He'll do something like that and you'll be like, used to do mad stuff like that with us. Like we go to West Brom away and you think, no, these are crap. And like, let's, let's go for it. And we play three defensive mids and you're like, <laughs> what are you doing here? Just like, what? Proper well, do you know what, Judge? You mentioned there about Ben Godfrey. That the, the issue with Godfrey might be that we need about left back because of Luca Dean. He's, he's got a, mm. a, a, a slight hamstring injury away with France. So 
sometimes those things don't heal in days. They, they can take weeks, or maybe Ben Godfrey's needed left back. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I hope not. I mean, um, I think that's a in a weird way, it's a bigger loss because you've you've got a you've then got a right side player playing left back. He's done a great job there last season, but mm. you know you, you still want to see you know deliveries coming in from both sides, and particularly if we've got Calvert-Lewin back in the side as well, he, he does rely on that on on the, the service from from set pieces as well as anything else, as much as anything else. Sorry, so yeah, I, I hope that's not as not as serious as that. I don't think it is to be honest. I, I think it's a bit of a you know. I, I think he's cried off a little bit, to be honest. He 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 didn't get plays in um, the game the game the day before that, and it was just mad for him to have pulled up with an hamstring injury when he was sub and didn't get used. So I don't know if he's just kind of the thought, oh, I'm just going to get back here and uh, get back to the family and have a few days off. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it, it, you know, if we if we assume that, that that he is out, I think that's that's obviously what's got to happen, isn't it? Godfrey to to go left back and and hopefully it'll then mean that. Chambers can come back in. If not, if he's not available, and Godfrey, I don't even know who plays. It's not John Joe Kenny. What? John Joe Kenny, won't it? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dragged, dragged off from the uh, the doldrums. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it, as we we touched on a little bit before. It's going to be an interesting, I suppose, tactical battle. Does, does you know does Moyes come in and 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 just go at us because you know they, they've had a a decent enough start to the season. They obviously had a setback against West Brom and uh, sorry against uh, Brentford just before the break, losing losing a home there. But I don't think there's any shame in that. They've had a good start. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think he'll be really looking to prove a point. He hasn't had a great time of things as he moves when he's come back to Goodison. Um, hasn't had too many good results with the sides he's been with. So he'll be itching to try and prove a point. And, and as we said before, they, they've got a bit of bit of history, haven't they? Yeah, and I think as well, me and you, we know David Moyes, and David Moyes is going to see Everton as a direct rival to his West Ham team, and, and we've seen that David Moyes would not necessarily go to the top four, but he'd certainly go to his direct rivals. When Man City were around six or seven, we had some great results at White Hart Lane. He always yeah. went as rivals, and he went to win, so I think that's a good point you made there. I think it'll be a really good game on Sunday, you know, really good game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we haven't defensively been fantastic. I know that that's what a lot of Everton fans were expecting from Benitez is, you know, that he'll be setting up to to make sure we don't get beat and whatever. But we have conceded mm-hmm. in most games and, and we've just managed to outscore the opposition. I can't see that changing much as in, you know, he, he hasn't really, he won't have had that much chance to be working with too many, you know, all of his defensive players over the international break. Luca Dean's mm-hmm. been away. Coleman's still been injured. Uh, Yeri Mean has been away. You know, that's another factor. I guess Yeri Mean has got a bit more time to, to recover than the Brazilian players have got. Um, I'd, I'd be gutted if, if he missed out for the, for the reason of being away too away for too long. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think it'll be a good game. I think both teams will be will be fancying themselves to to go and win the game. So that that should should mean a good game. Yeah, you definitely. Nil, nil. Yeah, do, you want, do you want to give us your your final prediction then? Yeah, I'm going to go with two one for that reason. I think both teams will get on the score sheet. I'm I'm open with with. One or two of those forward players back on the side, we might just add the edge over them, and and you know hopefully Benitez can 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 you know see us through a, a single goal victory. Two two one's a good shout. I'll go I'll go three one to Everton. I can certainly see Moyes, like I said, they're setting up to come to come at us at certain moments in the game. They've got threatening players. I can see West Ham scoring, but if we have our full attacking players out, I think the form that they're in. 
and even Carver Lewin was three and three. Don't forget before he mm. got injured. So the form that they're in, minus maybe the Charles symbol, he's due a goal as well. I think I think there's goals for, for us on Sunday. So I'll go three one. Judges gone two one. Believers, let us know on the social media if you agree with us on Reds. Also, let us know if you agree with Terry and Phil. We have hit the nineteen minutes. The the fourth official has got the number one boards up. We've just gone over. It is time to wrap up. As always, thank you to our sponsors, Vair Clothing and Camper Kings. If you're watching on YouTube, please give us a subscribe and spread the word. If you're listening on the podcast, thank you for your loyal loyal support as always we're planning to be podcast and youtube channel so the podcast is going nowhere like we said at the start if you have any ideas for our channel please let us know until then we are back on sunday night due to liverpool playing on tuesday evening so the podcast will be out sunday evening right after everton versus west ham enjoy the football we shall see you then